Welcome to the AFL Ratings Podcast, Round 9 Wrap. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryant. G'day, Aaron. Hey, Pete. You were at the Adelaide Oval today, Adelaide versus St Kilda, and Adelaide got off to a fast start, seized control early through the middle of the ground, a slick ball movement, but then really were never really challenged. Yeah, it was very impressive. I mean, I, I tipped them, but I wasn't confident on a margin like that, and... and just the way they went about it in terms of their scoring, it was always one of the better attacking teams against the best defensive team in the league. But um, Adelaide completely rolled them. I mean, it's the highest score put on the Saints all year. Adelaide's highest score under Matthew Nix. It was remarkable just how they unraveled St Kilda's defence. And, and the issue is, I guess, you look at the last three weeks now, and St Kilda, you know, a win over North Melbourne in a horrendous game that, you know, North played a bit of keepy off and it was very low scoring. And then the week prior, they lose to Port Adelaide, who again found ways to counter their structure. I'm a little worried about the Saints. They've got Max King and Jack Billings and Zach Jones still to come into the 22, but it almost felt like the first month they caught everyone off guard a bit with how defensive they were. And now it feels like teams are starting to figure out how to counter that. And, and I'm not sure with the talent they have that maybe they have an answer right now, especially up forward. They, they really need Max King back in, but... Yeah, Adelaide again, you know, back inside the eight. Still a tough couple of weeks to go. It's a really rough stretch, this one. But if they can get through the bye with, you know, two wins from their next four, maybe three, um, you'd probably lock them in for that seven, eight spot, if not higher. They feel like a team that's not only taken the next step, but can compete with the best. And, um, they, yeah, they were just incredibly impressive today with their ball movement. And, and I think the key to, to getting through St Kilda is, fast, effective counter football, you know, like stabbing the ball forward low in the eyes, hitting targets and moving the pace. And not every team can do that. Most times if you try to play fast footy, you'll you'll miss a target and turn it over. But, yeah, Adelaide have seemed to nail it. Yeah, Adelaide are definitely in that final eight contention now uh, if they weren't already there as well. And it's probably time for the Saints to regroup after a very good start to the season. So, yeah, it might, might be a little bit to work on from Ross Lyon's point of view, but... Uh, again, they've been excellent early in the year, well structured up, and get Max in there might be a bit of a different look. Uh, Tim Embry obviously will miss next week through concussion protocol, and, and Jack Steele, a uh, bit of a knee concern there, but apparently he's going to be fine there as well. So we've got a little bit to talk about here from this game. So firstly, Taylor Walker, uh, the fountain of youth here for Taylor Walker, dominated up forward, finishing with five goals. Yeah, I think he has to play next year, to be honest, so the yep. way that he's going. Um, and it's almost funny, you know, you look back six months ago and he was kind of out of contract and there were talks that maybe a finals contender could pick him up for nothing and, and have a, a role with him. And um, most clubs didn't want to do it. And then they, they probably should have. You know, he's still got a lot to offer. And I think I, I know a lot of this afternoon's game was he, he got really effective service from the middle, which helps. But also, he used his body really well against Cal Wilkie, who's a, who's a tough opponent. Like beating Cal Wilkie this year is no easy task, especially to kick five on him. And most of the time, not only was he getting the ball delivered to his chest, but he was able to then you know, stand his ground, get rid of Wilkie, take the mark. And whenever he didn't and it went to ground, he followed up with second and third efforts, which a lot of key forwards can't do. So he's still got that athleticism and mobility to, to dominate. Um, what Adelaide does moving forward is, is going to be a question because I guess they've got Thorpe as their their future key forward. Fogarty's obviously been great, um, a little quiet in the last month, but certainly is, is going to be there long term. So Walker's probably going to stick around for another run next year. And, and if Adelaide continue the rise they're going, maybe it is you know a little bit of a last dance for him to try and get them as far as he can. 
Yeah, he loves a fast game, and obviously, you know, when knee kicking efficiency is strong, uh, he's going to have a big day. Yeah, tough matchup for him against Wilkie today, but he dominated. Uh, excellent service through the midfield, and one of those players to provide that service was Jordan Dawson. So again, through that midfield, uh, creating a lot of opportunities for the Crows. Yeah, it's a good one. Like, not only is he winning his own his own footy in the middle, and and obviously getting some clearances away, but he still gets around the ground. He floats back as almost that extra half back flanker and. Yeah, he's, he's taking marks, he's setting up plays, and every time he touches the footy, it feels like he, his disposal is just so slick. I mean, he only went at 60% today, and I, I didn't even notice until I looked at the stats. It felt like he was still just so impactful with the footy. Um, he's clearly Adelaide's best player right now. I mean, Rory Laird's obviously an accumulator as well, but just not as impactful as Jordan Dawson is. Every time he seems to have it forward, of, I guess, halfway, it, it's going to end up as a clean inside 50 entry because he just puts himself in the right positions and it always seems to have so much space um, which is incredible because I think there have been teams that have tried to put some work into him and, and St Kilda didn't really do that today but um, yeah he, he's just taken this huge next step now that he's been injected into the midfield I have uh, Jordan Dawson already before today up there in uh, projected Brownlow votes quite strong and he'll hit Brownlow votes again today I believe so look out for those votes on afrwatings.com.au. But, yeah, he's right in brand-like contention, uh, Dawson, for me now. I think he's in top three for the ABC Football of the Year. I haven't um, tallied the votes from this round, but he'll certainly be up there. And um, he's got to be All-Australian, as well, you'd argue, yeah. as well. I mean, it's, it's always tough when, you know, there's a lot of midfielders and, you know, the expectation is women will, will obviously get buried and there'll be an extra two mids put in. And if that's the case, I think he has to make it. On to the next one here. So Brody Smith uh, took full advantage of the freedom off halfback today uh, that was laid out to him from St Kilda, uh, finishing with 32 disposals there in one goal. Yeah, I think, you know, him, Hinge, Miller as well, with a lucky shoulder to an extent, um, yeah, were just also dominant off the halfback flank. And again, it, a lot of it is St Kilda's forward line just wasn't that imposing. Uh, they had a lot of time to switch. They, they went back and forth across the arcs to try and move their way forward and yeah, Brody Smith certainly capitalised. You know, you know what you get with Brody. He's he's one of the the top ten players for metres gained. Um, he's constantly yeah, going long down the wing. He finds his own footy, um, and every now and again he pops off with yeah, a good twenty five plus disposal game. And he he did that this afternoon. Um, don't expect it to be a regular thing, but I think it was just part of the way the game played out. That the the back line of Adelaide just got a lot of the footy because the entries that came in from St Kilda were just no good. On to the next one here. So Rory Laird subbed off late in quarter four. Uh, didn't look to be anything uh, that serious. Uh, Matthew Nix has come out and said it was a management issue for him. But, you know, Laird did cop a, you know, a, a hit to the midriff and also uh, high contact at the same contest there. But he appears to be quite OK. Uh, and after a couple of weeks of being sore and managed throughout the week, uh, Matthew Nix just looking after him with a sub out of that game. I think I described it as a, a bug in a windscreen in the call that he literally turned around and was absolutely poleaxed. And <laughs> a lot of it was like directly to the chest. It clearly winded him. And I don't think that's in a severe long-term injury. It's just something that, you know, they were already up by such a significant margin by that point. He'd had a really good game. Um, why not just sub him out at that point? I don't think there's anything to worry about too much. And, and otherwise, he, you know, he had a usual stock standard of a really bad game, which, as I mentioned before, Dawson is he's not their best player anymore he, he still finds a lot of the footy um, he won't be their best and fairest winner um, he's still tackling quite well um, but yeah it does, doesn't feel like the guy that 
teams used to, you know, tag to try and shut down Adelaide. On to Adelaide versus St Kilda Fantasy right now. So, again, we mentioned Brody Smith earlier, 121 points for him. Uh, probably not highly owned or highly targeted, uh, but that matchup today against St Kilda was quite juicy, but I'm not too sure long-term prospects for uh, season-long fantasy are there for Smith. No, 100%. I think this is a very much a one-off. He did have a 90 last week, but before that he's had some pretty low scores. And, you know, he's, he's more of a draft guy. You, you probably have him um, as like a, a D3 in draft if you've got a pretty lengthy league. Uh, but as a, as a classic player, like, you know, he, he makes some money based on the fact that he went big today. But he, he's not long-term, and he, he's not going to be dropping 120, arguably, again this season. He's very much an 80s player at his best. So, um, yeah, for, for those who have him in drafts, great. Uh, I can't imagine many people had him at all in Classic <laughs> and if they did, no, well done but um, I wouldn't be rushing to get him in. Next one here, 116 points from our Marshall, so last week Marshall uh, rolled his ankle and all throughout the week the expectation that he was going to play, got through, had a light training week, uh, flew to Adelaide, played well and was managed out of that game late by Ross Lyon so just looking after him. I think that's actually quite a positive because uh, you manage him this week for the you know the final few minutes of that game. That gets him prepared for next week already. So solid score. A uh, bit of doubt on his week, but you know fully expected to play. Yeah, I think um, the interesting part about it is he probably he definitely wasn't at 100. percent Like the way from what I saw out there, um, this was a guy who he just wasn't as mobile around the ground as he can be from what we've seen over the you know the past couple of seasons. Um, I think the reason he, he scored as well as he did was Matthew Nix prioritised Riley Philthorpe in the ruck. Again, not entirely sure why he was doing that um, with Riley O'Brien on the bench, but it meant that uh, Marshall had you know nearly 50 hitouts. Um, he didn't have as many touches as he normally gets, but the you know that's 50 free points right there. So that was a large reason as to why he got to the ton. Um, but yeah, I think you've nailed it. He got through a week that you know there was a risk he would play. So um, yeah, as an owner really stoked. He's got the Giants and the Hawks to come in the next couple of weeks who just leak scores to Ruckman and then they're by. So um, yeah, he's well and truly, I guess, the R2. Right now, Sean Darcy is probably competing for that spot as well, but um, if you've got him, yeah, there's no urgency to move him on and uh, um, he's certainly worthy of an upgrade target. That being said, he's early by. You might want to wait till round 13. Next one here, Jordan Dawson, 116 points for him. Uh, clearly continue on from what is a solid season so far. Yeah, it feels like we talk about him every week now. Yeah. <laughs> He's just, I mean, it, it's a tough call between him and Dacos as the clear deal, D1, and then I guess Doherty will start putting his hand up soon for that as well. But um, what's this, six consecutive tons now for Jordan Dawson in seven of the last eight. So, yeah, the man's a machine, um, and, and it's going to get harder and harder to get. I mean, he, he's made his break even again this week, so he'll be pushing towards 950,000. So, hmm. um, yeah, he's a set-and-forget defender. Um, and if you don't have him, maybe yeah, buy around two down, one up is the way to go to try and get him in. Uh, next one here, Josh Rochelle. So a couple of quiet weeks for him. I uh, just want you to bring up to the listeners from the conversation you had yesterday from Adelaide about uh, what is happening with Rochelle. But uh, up into today's game, he was up a little bit into the midfield, uh, obviously impacted from a fantasy point of view. Uh, solid score, 86 points. Yeah, we had Nathan Van Berlo on SA Grandstand on Saturday, and I did ask him about, you know, what was going on with Joshua Shelley last week against Geelong because he had, you know, a season low eight touches and was barely sighted. And, and he basically said it was their game plan that after the start of the the season that they'd had, that they deliberately decided to pull him out of the centre bounces that 
that contest, uh, whether or not that was partially a rest or they just were trying out some different rotations. So um, the plan was always to get back in, and, and he did, you know, get around the grounds in terms of stoppages today. Centre bounce appearances were still quite low at three. Um, I think the reason he, he got to his score in the end largely was because of his tackling, um, which you know isn't going to happen a lot. But um, I, I saw enough around the ground again. Like it, it still feels like he's he's probably the first in long term. Like Rory Sloan got a ton of CBAs today, and, and Jake Saligo is certainly going to be part of that rotation. But um, they just shared the load this afternoon, and, and whether that's you know trying to get themselves to the buy so they can reset, but. Um, what I saw in the first month was clearly it was Laird, Dawson, Rochelle as the big three. And then, yeah, that, that third spot rotated a fair bit, but he was kind of the, the major of the rest. Um, and we're not seeing that in the past fortnight. So, I mean, I'm an owner, and when he dropped his 20 points last week, it was, you know, just devastating. And <laughs> to be able to, to pull out an 86 in the end today, considering he only had the 15 touches and the goal, I mean, it's a, it's a good sign, but... It didn't fill me with a lot of confidence that, you know, he's going to return to his best anytime soon. I think, yeah, that buy is probably where they reset again because, yeah, the last couple of weeks they've certainly been almost managing him in a way. On to the next one here. So Jack Steele was going along okay, 75 points, then pretty much, you know, right on three-quarter time early into the fourth quarter. He's iced up uh, with a knee concern. Ross Lyon did say in his post-game press it was a bit of a tweak, but he thinks he'll play next week. But, yeah, disappointing for those that own Jack Steele, uh, but obviously, obviously he's going to drop a little bit in salary there, I'd expect. Uh, but yeah, just a little bit of a concern. Obviously, he had that shoulder concern there a few weeks ago, returned, and now he's got a knee concern. So it might be just one to, you know, if you don't own him, it might be one to avoid for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's been rough. Like, I started with Steele and, and thought about getting him in this week, to be honest. Um, but he's now had three scores of 85 or less in his past four, and it is a little concerning that he's starting to get a little bit injury prone. Um, and there are different injuries, you know, between the collarbone and now the knee knock, but, um, he just doesn't feel as impactful as he used to be. You know, he used to be this big tackling machine and, uh, and largely that was a lot of his points. He still get a fair bit of the footy, but, um, I even thought when he got subbed off, I was surprised he was on 75. I don't remember calling him that much, to be honest today. Um, and that was, you know, the, the Saints got dominated around the ground in the middle, but when I mean, looking at his stats now, 12 handballs, like I, a lot of the times he got the footy, like I, I reckon he barely did much with it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a little worrying the way their system is going. Uh, I guess Zach Jones coming back in, Jack Billings at some point as well, does that shake things up and make things easier for him? I'm not sure, but I guess this defensive mindset of the St. Kilda footy club that is largely prioritising kind of slow ball movement um, and then eventually kicking long probably just isn't working for him right now. On to the round nine fantasy wrap. So just notable scores here. Tim Taranto, a solid again, 129 points from him. Ton run continues. Uh, yeah, he, he's been a great pickup. Um, and uh, yeah, again, I'm shocked that there are members of the media who don't seem to think he's in Australian form. Like he, he's he's one of Richmond's best players. And I get that on Friday night, um, some of the old guards stood up with your Dustin Martins and your Jack Rewaltz and your Trent Cotchins, but um, Taranto is their best midfielder. Uh, and, and he's breaking this trend as well of, you know, the last few years it was always tough for a Richmond midfielder to get to 100, let alone consistently. But <laughs> Taranto just does it in all facets. And I don't think the past couple of weeks it's his tackling game that's really taken the next step. Um, so, I mean, Geelong, he had 12. He had five the week prior and, and 10 a couple of weeks before that. So 
Yeah, he's this all-round talent, Tim Taranto. He's relishing the the new club, um, considering that the Giants, we, we saw glimpses of him being great, but a lot of the time he was playing forward. So, um, yeah, he, he's a set and forget now. And, um, I mean, I had him VC and ended up taking the loophole purely because he's just reliable. You know, a guy who's on a ton run, he's never gone under 100 the whole season. And, and there'll be times where, you know, he had a 109 and a 108. But at best, he's a 120-plus player. So uh, I'm not sure what Richmond's schedule like is, is like looking through the next couple of weeks. I might just pull it up now while I'm chatting to you. But, um, I mean, next week they've got the Dreamtime game Saturday night. So, yeah, not great there. They're on the Sunday of the week after. So, yeah, maybe they're not going to – he's not going to be a great loophole option for the, for a couple of weeks, but um, he feels like a very reliable captain pick if you're not really sure what to do. Yeah, you can certainly find the ball there. So the next one here is 142 points for Matt Rowe. Obviously a pretty solid matchup there. Noah Anderson had a relatively quiet game, and Matt Rowe was energetic through that midfield. He contested the ball strong, attacked the ball, um, accelerated away from packs, and he was awesome, 142 points from him again. Yeah, I think the difference between a, a 90, 100 Rowe score and, and the 142 he got is those 17 tackles. Like That's massive from him. Uh, and yeah, that, that's not going to happen every week. But, I mean, I, I've clearly seen it from the last couple of weeks. I have him in a keeper league, and um, he's forced his way into my starting side, purely because once Miller got injured, um, he's just seeing so many center balance appearances, and it, it has helped him elevate a little bit. Um, whether the grass eating's helped as well, I'm not sure, getting his proteins in, but he's... Um, He's just finding the footy now, and, and this is a great opportunity for the rest of the year because um, uh, from what I'm hearing, I mean, Miller's was likely not to be back until the last fortnight of the season, and at that point, I think the Suns' campaign is over. So you might as well just write him off for the year. Um, so Matty Rowell's got you know, free reign going from here. He's very achievable in terms of his price. like He's going to go up a fair bit with the 142, so maybe he's pushing just outside 800K once lockout lifts. But, you know, that still... You, you could be getting what could be a reliable premium um, at, a, at an underrated price. Like, it is 100K off the best. Um, it's just that fluctuation. You know, he had 76 the week prior, but I really like the role, 110 before that, 98 and 100. So he, he might have the odd game where he doesn't perform to his best, but I think the ceiling is so high for this guy that, um, you know, there's going to be other priorities, such as the the player we might talk about very late uh, later in Errol Gordon, but... Matt Rowe's a, a cheeky little in if you can find the coin. Next one here. So uh, Bailey Humphrey, 94 points. So a couple of solid weeks there. Obviously didn't score well a couple of weeks ago. Um, but the Gold Coast will manage him uh, in and out of games where they see fit as he builds into his career. Uh, just a sprinkling of centre bounces there to throw in. Uh, but he's been pretty solid. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. When we talk about, I guess, first in out of... So Raul Anderson and Swallow are your big three. And Swallow's, you know, on the back end of his career, he's, you know, pushing 30. So um, long-term planning, and once the season goes out the window, maybe they do start looking at who's next. And, and Bailey Humphrey's probably the first up. Um, we had a look through their drafts over the last couple of years, the Suns, and they haven't really picked an elite midfielder. I mean, Bailey Humphrey was a mid-forward. The last time they picked elite midfielder was Elijah Hollins, who's recovering from, you know, his knee injury still and, and getting some footy into him. And then before that, it was Raul and Anderson. So... Um, I guess if you're looking towards what's the future like after David Swallow, because obviously Tuk Miller's set to come back in, there'd be Miller, Anderson and Rao, um, who is your next best? And, and Bailey Humphreys must start you know, getting those opportunities where he'll be that mid-forward rotation, but he's still you know, getting around the ground, kicking goals, but finding the footy. Um, 
the issue, I guess, from a fantasy perspective is, yeah, he he's can be a sub at times, and that's a, that's a big killer. But I mean, from his performance we saw against the Eagles, surely he stays in this team now for you know at least next week, hopefully a couple. He's just awkwardly priced, you know. He's not a basement rookie, so at 313k, he's making money already. So it's it's one of those awkward ones, like your Rory Atkins, where you're like, do I jump on for the cash gen before the buys? Um, in doing so, it probably costs you upgrading somewhere else. On to the next one here. So Errol Gordon, uh, huge last week and huge again this week. 153 points, outstanding performance against Fremantle. Yeah, I think this is this is certainly my priority transfer this week. I think um, purely because for a couple of reasons. So the 160 against Collingwood, he wasn't in the middle at all and got heaps of marks around the ground, found the footy his own way. Fremantle, totally different beast in that Callum Mills gets injured early and, and opens the door for him to get some more midfield time and again relishes at 153. Massive. The third reason, um, they've got North Melbourne this weekend. <laughs> so they go North Melbourne, Carlton and then they're their first buy. So I actually don't mind bringing in round 12 players if you only have a couple that are on the buy because, it, you know, you, you don't lose too many of them in that first buy period anyway because it's best 18. And then you've got them for the rest of the three weeks. So Errol Gordon feels like the guy to get in. And, and I get that he's had a couple of 70s this year and, and a lot of his scoring can come in junk time when he's you know pushing that 90-100 mark. But he probably feels like a top six forward. And I, and I didn't have him in there at the moment because I thought the likes of like a Bailey Smith was going to be really elite, but he just hasn't really been that. I mean, had a 102 um, in the absence of Trelaw, but I just don't think long-term he's... He just looks like a, a 90 to 100 bloke, but Errol Gordon feels like a, a 90 to 140, 150 guy. <laughs> he's just got this huge ceiling. So I actually think he's the, the better value and the better target right now. On to the next one here, and it's a brutal part of fantasy. Obviously, injuries are a part of the game. Uh, but, yeah, just a copying that one from Callum Mills, calf injury early in the game, scores three points. Uh, just a brutal situation, especially uh, for those owners there. Yeah, I think he, you know, he looked like the one of the better ends this week, purely because of, off the 110, he had bottomed out. Like this was the week to get Callum Mills in, and um, at 800k, he's just value. Um, and it looked like he was starting to get some midfield minutes after being down back because of the injuries that the Swans had had. And yeah, it's just unlucky. It's one of those things that you know makes you hate fantasy football at times, but it's just it is what it is. There's a couple of people that captained captained him I saw as well, and and that's just you know heartbreaking. Um, for those who don't have him, obviously, it's a, it's a bit of a win. Um, the question is, when do you get him? Like the calf injury may rule him out into the bye, um, and that probably was the time to jump on. Um, so you're going to have to wait till after the bye, let him drop even more because of the three that he's now scored. So maybe round 15 could be a good target. They've got the West Coast Eagles then. So get to the bye, hopefully play St. Kilda and Brisbane after that, drop some money, and maybe West Coast round 15 could be the go. But we, we could be getting Callum Mills at, at low 700k mark. That That's amazing. Like This sets up the year brilliantly, and, and unfortunately for those who own him, it's just, yeah, it sucks because you're going to have to get him out this week because he's going to drop more down the track, uh, and obviously he's going to miss probably multiple weeks as well. So uh, around that 800k mark is a, a hard kind of replacement. Um, that being said, we, we did talk about one of the possible options before, which is Matty Rao. Maybe it's a side swap, uh, side base trade there, so you get Rao in for Mills. 
On to the next one here. So, again, solid score from uh, Zach Butters there, 118 points against the Kangaroos in the Hobart on Saturday. Yeah, this kills me. I really wanted to get him in this week, and um, because he scored so well last round, I just missed him by a good 5 to 10K. But the, the role is there now. We touched on this for the last couple of weeks, really. Been a while to get going. Um, really kind of found his feet after the opening month. And now he, he's, yeah, their second best midfielder. I mean, Rosie's had a, a rough couple of weeks. He's kind of been impacted a little bit by, by how good Butters is doing. But they're the big two in terms of CBAs. Um, Butters, yeah, is clearly establishing himself now as, as an elite option for Port Adelaide. And it, yeah, just took a little bit of time to get going. So he's heavily under price still. You know, he's yet to hit the 800k mark and probably end up after lockout pushing towards, you know, 770 maybe. So, um, again, he's another one that you could get in with relatively low risk. His break-even is going to be low. The role is there. They've got Melbourne on Friday night, so maybe he's a cheeky little VC option as well if you, if you don't have Clayton Oliver. Um, and then Richmond Hawthorne after that and the late buy, round 15, so you don't have to worry about him until the end. So, um, yeah, I really like him as a prospect. And the more I talk about it, the more I actually think, I don't know, Butters or Golden is a, it's going to be a tough call this week. On to the next one here. So, Will Ashcroft, 109 points. So, still some uh, pretty good scores coming out of the young midfielder from Brisbane. Yeah, I think a lot of people jumped off this week because it felt like he was starting to get towards his peak. But we can probably ride him until round 12 now. The Suns and the Crows to come from here, he's still got a bit more cash to make. And, yeah, he's still popping off these, these occasional big scores in between, you know, his 60s, 70s. So, um, yeah, magnificent result. Um, for those who still have Ashcroft, and he's probably going to end up getting, you know, just towards 700, hopefully, if not, you know, 680-ish, and and that's um that this is by the by, by the way, and and that's perfect. That, that, that's the ample opportunity to go two down, one up, and get him to a 900k player. Like I think, I think Ashcroft has done everything he needed to do, um, and yeah, thankfully he did drop a big score because it was looking like this week would be the week to move him out. But yeah, you can get through to 12 now, and then reassess and, and, yeah, use that week to, to turn him into a premium. And the final one here, Sam Walsh, 126. Yeah, what I liked about his performance as well on Saturday was, and you know, Carlton were no good. They were really struggling around the ground. Their ball movement was horrendous. But he worked so hard to not only, you know, be around the middle of the footy, but he, he worked his well his way forward. He was certainly a scoring option, ended up kicking a goal in the end. Uh, he's just a workhorse. He runs and he runs and he runs, and, and that's why he accumulates so much of the footy. So he didn't break the disposal mark, but still ends up with 123 points purely because he just is so much around the ground. So yeah, I love I love him, Sam Walsh. I think he's um I mean we talk about ton runs. He didn't play in the first month, but he hasn't gone under 100 since he returned from injury. So um, again, another one with a late buy in round 15. Um, you know, maybe Ashcroft to Walsh could be the go in round 12. Um, He's probably going to get harder and harder to get from here purely because his price is so high. Like he's he's nine sixty four. He's made his break even, so he's going to be pushing nine eighty. Um, he could be a million player by by the time we get to the buys, but um, I don't think he's a, a priority transfer purely because of his cost right now. But hopefully, yeah, he can be a, a future upgrade during that four week period. Okay, got a big game in Adelaide there this week, Aaron. So we can listen to find you. So you can find me at Aaron Bryans on Twitter. I'm calling Port Adelaide and Melbourne on Friday night, and it, it feels like a really big blockbuster game. Um, you've got two top four sides. A little worried about Port Adelaide because there are, you know, Todd Marshall's missing through concussion, Charlie Dixon probably missing through injury as well. So forward, they may be 
exposed a little bit with Melbourne's defence, which is, you know, one of the best in the league. But Friday Night Footy does wonderful things sometimes. Um, Kickstarting Sir Doug Nichols' round as well is, is always exciting. So, yeah, it's a chance for Port Adelaide to compete against, you know, one of the better teams in the league. We saw that against St Kilda a couple of weeks ago, and they've got over the line on the road. So um, it could be a statement win if they can get over Melbourne, considering they'd be slightly undermanned up forward. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. You can find me at AFL Ratings Pit on Twitter, aflratings.com.au for a stack of fantasy information, AFL Ratings Twitter account and associated accounts there as well. Well, Aaron, all the best in your planning for your trades this week and we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Pete.